right. Welcome, everybody. Is it cold? Can you give me some warm water? I'm sorry. I need a half cold, half hot. That'd be good. Thank you. Ah, man. Um, earlier, you saw a lot of Pastor Lydia. She is, uh, I just want to introduce her. She's our community care, no, wait. Yeah, community care pastor. I am, I am under the weather today. And uh, so you'll see a, mo- a lot more of her up here uh, with uh, my wife, Pastor Mina. She's, she's about to bust. <laughs> you know? um, any, any, any week, any day now, I think it's going to happen. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm praying that it'll happen on a Saturday or a Sunday. So that uh, I don't want to be at work when it happens. I'll be like, ah, I'm just going like, to kick my kids and I'm peace out. <laughs> so uh, I'm praying that it'll be, uh, it'll happen um, Thank you, Anna. I feel blessed. Yeah, so I hope it'll, it happens on a Saturday. Let's pray for that. Pray that it happens on Saturday. Be good. Um, so Pastor Lydia, she's going to be up here a lot more. She's going to be doing some corporate intercessions. She's going to actually be doing the announcements at the end of the service from now on. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm, you know, it's funny. Like, when you, you guys are all English teachers, and you guys know that, you know, you guys work with kids. Not every kid covers their mouth when they cough, but uh, if you epic teachers, you got you guys, you know, you guys are up on the on the front of the class. They all have their seats. You guys are lucky because when you teach preschool, they're right in front of your face, <laughs> right? I teach preschool in the mornings at my school, and man, they're right in. You gotta put their sweater on for. I'm cold. I gotta take them. I gotta do it like wipe their face, you know. And so uh, this past week, there was one boy, name is Edward. I was coughing, like, right in, right in my, my direction. I was like, cover your mouth, Edward. And like, a minute later, he goes, I'm going to cover your mouth, Edward. And then on Wednesday, man, he like, like, I was looking this way, and I heard a achoo. And then he goes, teacher. And I look over, and there's like a gummy worm hanging out of his face like this. It, it straight looked like a gummy worm. It was like, it was thick. It was like, coming dangling down his face, he goes, teacher and i was like man go to the bathroom what do you want me to do and so in the in the midst of this madness i caught what he had so now he's fine friday he was all playing and i was like oh coughing and stuff and so yeah i am a little under the weather today uh, but when it came down and i was uh, yesterday i was like i was i was really hurting you know today, yesterday i woke up had all these errands to run and then i got home and i was about to write this sermon i was like oh it's tough it's tough. I needed to sleep. So I, I went to sleep early last night. And then this morning I woke up. Because I've been chewing on this word for a long time. You know, the, the, one of the things I'm learning as a preacher is, you know, you can't write your sermon when you sit down to write your sermon. You need to have been writing that in your head, in your spirit, for like a for like few weeks. And so, you know, the book, I've been covering the book of Acts. And I've been, man, I've been chewing on the book of Acts for some time now. And so as I come to sit down to write my sermon, you know, it flows a lot quicker and one of the things that i was asking god for is that god when the baby comes it's gonna be hard to preach man when am i gonna have i'm gonna be changing diapers i'm gonna be like doing all this stuff how am i gonna how am i gonna you know write my sermon and then uh god really just poured out a supernatural grace upon me today because i wrote this sermon in three hours i woke up at i woke up at seven today and our ac guys we have to install our acs because we're moving out of our old place the AC guys came at, at, so I woke up at 7, the AC guys came at 9, it was less than 3 hours. The AC guys came like at 9.30, and by 9.30 I was done with my sermon. It was like the supernatural grace came, grace came upon me to write the sermon. And it's a good sermon, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, I was like, once I was writing it, I was like, man, this is good. I know it's not, and I know it's not me, because it's good. It's, good. it's from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Holy Spirit just released this word to me. So I want you guys to open your Bibles to Acts. And we're in the where we follow. We ended last time with the conversion of Saul, and then the word that I, I wanted you guys to focus on was immediately after Saul's converted. Immediately he started going around preaching the gospel, doing all this stuff, you know. And from that, I, I said I, I said that homie had no shame. He's been persecuted. He's persecuting all these Christians, you know, putting them in jail. And then the minute that he gets converted, he ma- he makes a 180 degree turn with no shame in his heart. He starts preaching the gospel. He didn't have to save face. I mean, a lot of us, we'd be like, oh, man, time. 
You know, I'll go out, you know, like, you know, be in the wilderness for a while and come back with my reputation, you know, is that's not so like up in everybody's face. I will preach the gospel. No, he has no shame. That's the type of life we have to live. We have to live no, a life of no shame. And then, and it also showed his zeal, showed how much zeal he had for the word of God, how much zeal he had for the encounter that he had with Christ Jesus. And, and, and that word immediately, it talks about his zeal. And last week, I, you know, two weeks ago when I preached, I preached about the zeal, the zeal of the Lord. That was upon, upon Paul, you know, upon Phineas, upon all these people of the Lord. People of God are marked by zeal, zeal of the Lord. So today, we're going to look at Acts chapter 10, and we come across a man by the name of Cornelius. That's a cool name, Cornelius. I don't know, I don't know anybody named Cornelius. I've never met personally a person named Cornelius. The only person that I know named Cornelius is the dude that Pastor Christian fought when he was in elementary school. He talks about this fight in like four sermons, four or five sermons. I heard them all, every single one. I don't know who wins, but he's all talks about his name. Cornelius. He fought this dude named Cornelius, right? He was a brother from Philly. You know, and you know, like I, it, first time you hear you think like, oh man, he probably got beat up. But then as you get to know Pastor Christian, you realize, man, he's a scrappy dude. You know, he he may not be the biggest but I could see him being young, getting picked on, I could see him fighting back. You know, and you know it was a draw. According to him it was a draw. The only person that I know personally named, like from anybody named Cornelius, was Pastor Christian. His arch nemesis, Cornelius, right? But this dude, Cornelius, we read about him in Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read it to you guys right now. It says, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared, at, he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a, devout, and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Right now, we get, from what we read right here, there's a lot of information that we have about this man Cornelius, okay? First thing that we hear, now he, it's not just his name, but we first think that he's a centurion. And how many of you guys know what a centurion is? Not a transformer, right? <laughs> Sounds like a transformer, centurion, you know? But, but centurion is, a, is, a, is a, a Roman soldier, and he's entrusted with a hundred men. It means he has a century, a hundred. So he has is a hundred, you know, men uh, that he's in charge of, that he has that he has authority over. On top of that, we know that he's Italian. It says he's, he's from the Italian cohort. A cohort is uh, let me see. The, let me do the math. A cohort is six centuries. So six centuries or 600 men is one cohort in the, in the ancient Roman army. Okay? So it's about, he was part of this regiment, yeah, you can call it, of Italians, called the Italian cohort. Okay? And a cohort is one-tenth of a, a, a legion. So a legion is about 600 men, 6,000 men. Okay? So he, he's Italian. We know that he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a man, he's a, he's a soldier, he's Italian. And uh, Cornelius, it says he was a Gentile. So he's not a Jew, okay? He never got the snip-snip. He, he wasn't circumcised, okay? He was a Roman centurion, meaning he was in charge of 100 men. Okay, we talked about that. He's an enlisted man, okay? To be a centurion, okay, you don't just become a centurion overnight. You don't be a man. Can I be, I'm going to be centurion. Like, can I be centurion? And you don't, you, that's not how you become centurion, okay? To be a centurion, it takes like 15 to 20 years to be a centurion. You gotta, you gotta do your business in the Roman army for over 10 to 15 to 20 years. It takes you that long to rise up in the ranks to be a centurion. So he's not a young man, okay? He, he's, he's pretty old, okay? And, and back then, you know, people didn't live that long. He probably had grandchildren. He not only had children, but he probably had like ch- the grandchildren. 
He's a pretty old man, probably some, somewhere in his 50s. Okay? And he was a hardened man, experienced in war. Okay? To be a centurion, you need to prove yourself. Okay? That means you, he probably killed a bunch of people. Right? He was experienced not just in, in, in war, but he was experienced in killing people. He was a dangerous man. Okay? He, and, and, you know, you can't go 15 to 20 years in the Roman army and not kill somebody. But, you know, he, he, he knows what it is to die. And he also knows what it is to almost die. I'm, 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 I'm sure that he probably came very close to dying himself. But when you're fighting in the Roman army for that long, he probably came really close to dying himself. These are things that we can deduce or, or glean from this reading of this man. just saying that he is a centurion. Okay, there's a lot of things that come with being a centurion. Okay? He, he had killed, probably killed many people. He's probably a man of honor. Okay? You can't be a centurion and like have like, you know, like you can't be one of those like jerks, like, hey man, snap stab. You gotta kind of show it, prove yourself. You gotta prove like character, you know, like honor to be a centurion. You know, you, you're like one of the, the top people amongst this hundred men, and they have to give you their allegiance. They have to give you, you know, their obedience. So this is probably a man of character. This is probably a man of you know honor. And he was a leader, okay? He was a leader. He was probably a man that was able to lead many men. And, and you know, there's two types of leaders. There's leaders that lead with fear. And there's leaders that lead with, like, with honor. And, he, and he, I, I imagine him to be the later, the latter. Okay, when, and when people are subject to war and violence for many years, okay, you know, you, one of a few things happen, right? You, A, one... You know, you freak out and you run away, okay? You know, you can't, you know, after like a few years, you're like, oh, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to punk out. I'm leaving, you know? But if you've been in this army for 10, 15, 20 years, one of two things happens, okay? You can either become a warmonger. There's probably a lot of warmongers that were centurions, people that are all about war, fighting. And these men probably led, you know, with, with fear, you know, with threats. Or... If, when you go through an experience fighting in an army for 15, 20 years, killing people and almost being killed, okay, another thing ha- might happen to you. You might start looking for redemption in your life. You might start looking for truth. When, when you come this close to dying about 30, 40 times, you might start thinking in your head, man, what is my life all about? You might be thinking, like, what, well, what's the meaning of life? There's other centurions mentioned in the New Testament, and they're all, you know, shown in a positive light. Matthew's 8, Jesus, right? The centurion comes up to Jesus, and he's like, man, my, my, my servant, he's paralyzed, and he's in a lot of pain. He's about to die. And then Jesus is like, man, I'll go, I'll go with you, and I will heal this man. And he's like, no. He's like, you know, I am, I am also a man of authority. When I, when I tell a man to go, he goes. When I tell a man to come, he comes. And he, he says, you know what? I see that, that authority on you. And I know that if you tell my servant to be healed, he will be healed. And then he, he shocked Jesus. He's like, man, all of Israel, I've never seen a man with so much faith. I mean, this, this man, centurion, he lived like 15, 10, 15 years of his life, 20 years of his life fighting. And when he, when he realized, when he saw truth, he's like, man, that's truth. That's the truth. He recognized it. Mark 15 as Jesus is about to take his last breath, the centurion looks upon him and says, Truly, this was the Son of God. These were men seeking redemption. These were men seeking truth. So Cornelius, being a centurion, having spent so many years of his life in war and killing, I believe he was searching for redemption. He was searching for the truth. So what did he become? It says in verse 2, he became a devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continuously to God. And this tells us a lot about Cornelius. Because okay? all Roman soldiers, they worshipped the Roman god Mars. Okay? The planet Mars is named after the Roman god of war called Mars. Mars was the most prominent god in the religion of the Roman army. Okay, there were all these festivals and rituals that the, the Roman army and the soldiers did 
to like to harness the power of the God of War. And although Mars was worshipped by most Romans, he was especially important to the Roman army. And somewhere along Cornelius' military career, he realized that Mars and all these Roman gods were just statues. And in his search for truth, and in his search for redemption, he had found the God of the Jews. He had found the God of the Hebrews. Most likely a Jew. A trusted Jew came up to him and started telling him about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Started telling him stories about what God did to the people of Israel. He told them about the God of Moses and he delivered, how he delivered them from the, the land of Egypt. Told them about David. And he realized, man, this is a true God. This is a God. This is God. And it wasn't just him. He got his whole family involved. Okay? One of the things, he, you know, he's from Italy, so he's not from like Caesarea. He's not from this area near Jerusalem. He's actually from Italy. Okay? Pretty far off. He's probably from like somewhere in Europe. But he had his family with him. Okay? That means a lot. That means him, he was, he, there's ranks to being centurion. He was probably high up. He was allowed to bring his whole family to where he was at. Okay? And Caesarea right then was like, kind of like the, the main point of the Roman government in that area. So he was, he was, he was a man of you know, a lot of influence. And, and you need to have character. You need to have, you know, like, you need to have the, the, the devotion of your people to be at that level. And for him to say, I'm not going to stop worshiping this more. I'm going to start praying to this God of the Jews. And for, for the people to kind of, like, and he wasn't doing it in silence. He wasn't like, all right, you know, he wasn't doing it person. He, he made sure that everybody knew. He made sure his whole family was praying to the God of the Jews. And for him to still be in that rank, it, it shows you what type of person that he was. And right here, we see something that we should see in all believers, which is, he didn't have a fear of man, but he had a fear of the Lord. He didn't care what his fellow army buddies thought. Why? Because he had a fear of the Lord. And it wasn't a secret thing. He wasn't like, I'm going to do this, my personal thing. But he let everybody know. He let his whole family pray to the, to the, to the God of, of the Hebrews. Uh, do you have a better picture of what this man Cornelius is about? This is a man, he's searching for truth. He's searching for redemption in his life. Not only that, it says that he prayed to God continuously and gave alms generously. And when I see this, I see a man, he's hungry. And he's hungry. He's hungry for, 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 for finding truth. He's hungry for finding redemption. So much so that he's praying to this God that he, he doesn't really know. He, he, he doesn't know who, who, the, who the God of the Jews are, but he's just praying. He's praying. He's giving alms. He's giving, he's giving to the poor. That I see a man that's hungry. There's a hunger. In this time of him seeking for truth, there's a hunger that was built up in Cornelius. There's a hunger to see the, the, the truth of God rise up in Cornelius. He had blood in his hand. He had killed people. He wants to get it up. He wants redemption. He wants truth. And, then, and Mars, he, just, well, he wasn't cutting it. He could pray to God, Mars, all he wants. He wasn't, he wasn't feeling nothing. But he hears about Jehovah. He's like, what is that? And there's truth in this God. And, he, and as he gets a little bit of who he is, and he starts to pray, he's like, this hunger, this hunger for God starts to rise up in him. Now, I want to give you a question right here. Right now, is Cornelius saved? At this moment, as he's praying and giving alms, is he saved? The answer is no. Okay? He knows of God, but he doesn't know God. You guys get that? Why? Because the only way to know God is through who? Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Christ. So he's not saved. He doesn't know God. He knows of God. He knows of this God, but he doesn't know God. But he's still praying. But does his hunger cause God to know him? 
And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. His hunger caused God to take notice of him. Okay? An angel of the Lord appears to Cornelius and says, Your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. And that word memorial, menemasunan, in Greek, it translates to which one remembers. But it's a deeper translation of that. It says, that which evokes a memory. In other words, your prayers and your arms have evoked God to remember you. It has provoked God to know who you are. He has, your, your, your hunger has directed the attention of God upon you. Cornelius' prayers, his generosity, ultimately it's his hunger. The hunger to know the truth got God's attention. Not only his attention, but moved God to action. In other words, it, got, it, 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 it caused God to take, take, you know, to move, to take action. Brothers and sisters, our hunger can move God to take notice of us. Not just to take notice, but move him to action. Our hunger for God can move him to action. No, you got to be hungry for the right thing. Man, you could be hungry for Buddha all you want. Not going to move God. Yes. You can be hungry for yoga. Not going to move God. But what was, what was Cornelius? What was he hungry for? What was he hungry? What was he praying to? He was hungry for God. And it caused God to move. So what does God do? Okay. He tells him, all right. He comes, his angel comes up to Cornelius. And Cornelius is like, ah, what is this? Angels, I believe angels are pretty tall. So I believe he's like, man, what is this? Who are you? And he's like, I, I'm an angel. All right. And the Lord says that your prayers and your arms have risen as a memorial to God. And he says, there's a man, Joppa, his name is Simon, Simon Peter. He's staying at a man named Simon the Tanner. Don't get him mixed up. Make sure that you get Simon Peter. Imagine if it was Simon. Simon Tanner comes up. Hi. You, you, you need some leather? Oh, he said, make sure you get Simon Peter. He's saying out of man. But he's a Simon the Tanner. And, and, and call for him. Okay? Because he, he has a word for you. He has a word for you, Cornelius. And so he sends him. He, he sends his soldiers. He sends one of his soldiers and his, two of his servants. Okay? He sends him to, get, to, to go get Peter. And right about this time, what is God, what's God doing? God's setting things up. If there's another man who was hungry, his name was Peter. Okay? You know how he, Peter's a sanguine. You know how I know he's a sanguine? Because it, it's, it, it's written here that he says that he was hungry. Okay? Only sanguine people tell people that they're hungry. <laughs> man, I'm hungry, man. I, I can see Peter, right? It says like, it says the next day as they were in their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the house top about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. So while people were preparing it, so basically what happened is, man, I'm hungry. He told everybody, man, I'm hungry, man. I want some food. Like, you know? He's like, man, I'm hungry. Everybody, All right, I'll make you some food. Right? Simon Tanner is like, oh, well, I'll get some people to make you some food. And he goes up on the roof, and he's like, he's like, man, I'm hungry. God, I'm hungry. And then he, he gets his vision, falls into his trance, and he gets a vision of this sheet. Okay? And sheet comes down. And in it are all these animals, like lizards and all the animals, the unclean animals, you know, the Jews, they're not supposed to have anything to do with these animals, right? So all these animals are on this sheet, and then the voice of the Lord says, Peter, kill and eat. And then Peter thinks this is a test. He's like, man, God, you know me, man. I don't eat any of this stuff, all right? I'm not going to eat this, God. And then, and then and once again, God says, he shows them the vision again. It's Peter, kill and eat. He's like, God, you know, you know me, I've never... You know, this, these things have never touched my lips. And I'm, I won't do it. And then again, a third time, God gives him this vision. Gives him three times. And he's like, kill and eat. And while Peter was like, man, what does this mean? What does this mean? Does this mean that Simon the Tanner is going to give me some lizard? What does it mean? Like, he, he's questioning three men come knocking at his door. And then the Lord says, you know what? There's going to be three men. 
He's going to come to you, and he's going to take you to this man named Cornelius. Go with him, because I have a plan. And then and, and Peter's like, all right. So they come knock, dun, 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 dun. And then they welcome him in. And he actually goes with his men to see Cornelius. Okay, And then the next day, where am I? Okay, So he, he goes with his men. He's not supposed to, like, like, you know, he's not supposed to hang out with, with Gentiles. Okay? As a Jew, he's not supposed to talk with them. He's not supposed to do anything with them. Okay? But because of the Lord. And what did the Lord say? It says, what God made clean, do not call common. Thought about that part. And so right now, God is opening up Peter's mind. Slowly, he's starting to open up his mind to what he has for him. And so as Peter, he walks into Cornelius' house. And he's thinking that he's going to talk to this one man named Cornelius. Okay? Tell him about Jesus. And, and, and who's there? Who's sitting there? His whole family. Not just his whole family, but his friends, his closest friends. There's, like a, there's, like a, there's an audience waiting for Peter. He had, he, in, in the time that it took for Peter to receive the message and then get to Cornelius, has about four, three to four days. In those three to four days, man, you could see the hunger of Cornelius. He's like, man, come on. The word of, the God, word of God came to me. He said, there's a guy named Peter coming. He's going to do something, man. Come on, come here. You know, come wait with me. Wait with me. There's something happening. You don't want to miss out on this. You don't want to miss out on this. Come on, son. Come here. I know you want to go and play, you know, the Roman army, but no, come here. Sit here and, and, and wait. Let's wait upon this man who, who God is sending to give us a word for us. And then there's a hunger. There's a hunger. Was that Karis? Oh, that was cool. Karis just farted. <laughs> Moving on. So there's a hunger. There's a hunger that's built. Okay, you can see the hunger that Cornelius had. Cornelius had because man, man, he gathered his whole family. Not only that, he went and got all of his friends. His hunger wasn't just limited to himself, but his hunger, he was, he was, it was for his family, for his friends. He had feel. He had a hunger inside of him that was burning. And so Peter walks in, sees his whole family. And, and, and as Peter walks through the door, what does Cornelius do? He falls down. He starts worshiping Peter. He starts worshiping Peter. Because he doesn't know any better. He doesn't. Okay, he's hungry. He has his hunger. He has his zeal. And he's thinking, man, if God sent this man, I'm going to start worshiping. And right there, he falls and he starts worshiping Peter. And Peter's like, man, get up, man. Get up. I'm just a man like you. Right? He said, I'm just a man like you. But God has brought me here to give you a message. And Peter tells him, man, get up. Because uh, 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 right now, I'm not supposed to be even be here. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to, you know, like do things with Gentiles. But I had a vision that said, that, that told me from the Lord, says, do not, do not treat what I have made clean. Do not call it common. And God told me to not see any person as unclean or common. So I'm here. Okay, I'm going to read to you verse 30. And Cornelius said, so this is what Cornelius says. Okay? says, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter, and he is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. And this is my favorite part right here. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. You know what Cornelius and his family and his friends, you know what they're doing? They're waiting in expectation. There's an expectancy in their hearts. It says, now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have, you have been commanded by the Lord. He's like, we are here. We're ready. There's, it's like this posture of like, yeah, now give it to us. Yeah. Give it to us. We're ready. There's an, expect, there's an expectation on Cornelius. There's an expectation on Cornelius for the word of God. Because what? What, was, what he took, what the angel told him to be the word of God. He's like, if that's the word of God, 
I'm going to expect something. If that's the word of God, I'm going to be expecting of something from the Lord. You know, our, hung, our hunger can move the heart of God to action. But it's not just hunger, it's expectancy. There needs to be an expectancy on our part. When we read this, when we read the word of God, there needs to be an expectancy. As we hear the truth of the Lord, we need to start expecting it. This is what Cornelius and his family were doing. They're waiting. They were expecting something from God. They were expecting God to move. You know, I have this, I have this little boy in my class. His name is Wujin. And he, he's a cute kid. Roy knows who he is. He's been with our school for a long time. I remember when I first came to Busan, and I, I subbed at Roy's Hagwan, and he was tiny. He was a little boy. He was, like, a little bit older than Karis. And now he's, like, I think he's, like, six years old. And, uh, what happened one day was, so, so he has no concept of what time is, right? He doesn't own a watch. He doesn't have a cell phone. There's no clocks in the classroom. So he doesn't know how long five minutes is to ten minutes, right? All he knows is there's two breaks and then there's lunch, right? That's all he knows in his head. There's two breaks and then lunch. And so that's what it was. We'd come, we'd have one session, we'd have a little break, and then they'd have another session, and then it'd be lunchtime, right? But then uh, a couple of weeks ago, our, 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 my boss, we changed, she changed things around. And so now they're, they're, there's like an extra class, right? There's a, a class before we start, a break, another class, a break, another class, and then lunch, right? And so now he's, he's waiting. He's like, man, we had our first thing, and then we had our second thing. Now I should be lunch, right? And then I remember at the beginning of class, he was like, oh, Begopa. Oh, Begopa. Right when he came in the class, he was like, oh, Begopa. Because we used to give snacks. Right? When, our, when our owner changed things around, she's like, man, these kids aren't eating their snacks. We're going to get rid of the snack. You know, we're just going to go straight into class. So he's like, oh, right? And I remember we came back from our second break, and I was like about to hand out these papers. And he took out his chopsticks and his fork and his spoon. And he had it on the table. He's like, man, I'm ready to eat. I'm ready to eat. It's lunchtime, right? Because he, he doesn't know it's only 11 o'clock, right? He's, he's, there was an expectancy for food. He was expecting food. He, he went in his backpack, took out, he had this little container with his chopstick and his, and his spoon. He's ready to eat. He was about to open it. I said, Woojin, it's not lunchtime. And then, and then there's this look of just despair came upon his face. And right then, he moved my heart. He moved my heart. He gave me this desire to feed this boy. I was like, man, I should get him some food. But I didn't. I didn't, I didn't have no food. Like, I, what am I going to do? Like, give him some gum? I just felt sorry for him. I was like, oh, Wujin, I'm sorry, but you have another 45 minutes before we eat. But, you know, there, there was this expectation for him. There was an expectation. He's like, man, it's coming. And you know what? It touched my heart. It did. When I saw that, it, it moved me. You know what? But you know what else? Our expectation of God and the word of God, it moves God. It moves the Lord. He's like, man, they're expecting. They're not just reading my word. You know, they're, they're reading it and they're taking it and they're, they're forming hunger inside their heart and now they're expecting me to take action. Our, our zeal, our hunger, it brings. Our, 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 the expectations that we have, it shifts heart, God's heart. It causes him to take notice of us. It causes them to move. And so what happens, and this is how I want to close with this. This is, my, this is actually my favorite part. Okay? Peter starts the sermon. He starts to be this. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, every, every, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And then he goes on. And he starts to preach the sermon about Jesus Christ. He starts talking to him about Jesus Christ. And you know what I imagine in heaven what God is doing? He's, he's waiting. He's like, man, come on, Peter. Come on and finish. Come on, get this out. Because you know what? What has to happen? Okay? This is, I'm going to give you a picture of what, what, imagine this with me, right? What needs to happen? These are, are they, are they saved yet? They're not saved. Okay? They're not saved yet. But as Peter is giving them the news of the good news, the gospel, there, there's no like, if you read this later on, I want, you go, I want you guys to go home and read. There's no time 
where like they make this decision in their mind and say, all right, I choose to believe Jesus Christ. There's no time. You know what's happening? As Peter is preaching, they're so expecting that every word that's coming out of Peter's mouth is going in as truth. And so they're being converted as Peter talks, as the words come from his mouth, they're, they're being converted. They're taking in, there's no room, there's no, there's no thinking it over in their head. It's going in as truth. It's going in as truth. Bam, and, and, and they're receiving it. And he talks about Jesus, how he was anointed to, to, uh, to go around, do good things, and free people of oppression, okay? Talking about his death. They hung him on a tree, okay? And no, not all the people, but and he, he's talking about, like, 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 who Jesus is and what he did. And we know what God's doing. He's waiting. God's waiting. He's like, man, come on. Come on, Peter. Because you know what has to happen? The gospel needs to be preached. The full gospel needs to be preached, right? And right when it says, verse 43, I want you guys to go to Acts 10, verse 43. Okay? And so right now, as Peter's preaching, these people are receiving the word of God. They're receiving the gospel instantaneously. They're so they're just so ex, they're, they're so excited. There's an there's an expectation that every word that comes from his mouth is truth to him. Okay, and then right there in verse forty three, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And bam, what happens? Verse forty three. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised, uh, circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Do you see what's happening? As there's this expectation on the part of Cornelius, there's, there's this hunger, there's this expectation. You know what it, it creates, what it produces in God? It, pr- it produces anticipation for God to release his favor. As we have a hunger for him as we have a hunger and an expectation of for the things of god it builds up an anticipation for god to release it upon us and god this was as peter was preaching this was god this is what he was doing he said come on come on peter get it out get that get that last bit of the gospel that truth once they know it i'm going to bring the fire what once they know it he's like come on peter do it do it. And right when he does it, bam, he releases it. And everybody's like, what is going on? What's going on? This is exactly what happened to us at Pentecost. And it was the hunger. It was Cornelius' hunger. This hunger that he had for truth. This hunger, this zeal that he had for this God. And as he realized that it's through Christ Jesus, who is God, that, that they were all saved right there instantaneously. Bam. And then before Peter can even finish his sermon, bam, Holy Spirit falls on him with power. They're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And our hunger turns the heart of God. Our ex- ex- expectation can turn the heart of God. Can, it, can, it can cause God to look upon us. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? That we can build anticipation on God's heart to pour out his favor on us as we become more hungry for him. It's a powerful, that's a powerful picture that I see. The word of God for this hour, brothers and sisters, from the Lord is to hunger and expect. We have to hunger. We have to hunger for God. Hunger after his word. Hunger after his presence. And in the presence, we have to have an expectation for him to, to move. We have, there need, with the hunger, you need, you need to prove that hunger. There needs to be an expectation. You, gotta, you all need to be expecting God to fulfill what's in here. There needs to be, as you read this, and as you start burning, as you start burning with the word of God in you, an expectation for this word to be fulfilled needs to be upon your heart. We need to be hungry. We need to have expectation. You know, we just had our leadership retreat a while ago, last week. And, man, God came with fire. It was powerful. People were on the ground. Ah. People were getting touched powerfully by the Holy Spirit. Man, I, I was shocked. I was like, man, I didn't think it was going to be like this. I really didn't. I, this, is, this is crazy. But I, I believe that there are some of you that were at that retreat. And some of you 
are not fully satisfied. Some of you guys are not fully satisfied. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay to feel dissatisfied sometimes. Some of you guys are not fully satisfied with where your life is, where your life, where your spiritual walk with is Christ. And that's right. It's okay to feel dissatisfied, but it's not okay to remain in that dissatisfaction because it's going to lead to offense. As you remain in that dissatisfaction, what's going to start breeding in you is the offense. Gonna start holding this offense towards God. How? God? How come not me? How come not me? Why not me? There's a, there's an offense that can be built if you remain in that dissatisfaction, but let that dissatisfaction lead you to hunger more. Let that dissatisfaction lead you to hunger, which is gonna lead you to an expectation of God to move. And as you start waiting and with that anticipation, with that expectation, okay. God's, he's, he's, he's going he's gonna to notice you. Like, like he noticed Cornelius. I, you know, Anna preached this, a message on hunger. Anna wrote, she gave me this water, which I'm about to drink. She preached a message on hunger a while back, Friday fire a couple weeks ago. And I believe that it is a word for New Philly at this moment. It's a word that can't be contained in just one sermon. This sermon is awfully like my sermon from last time I preached about the zeal of the Lord. Because it's a word that God wants to release over New Philly, all four campuses at this hour. It's similar to, it's what happened at New, at New Hillside Leadership Retreat yesterday. The words that were being prophesied over the Pastor, uh, Pastor Marcus, Pastor Aaron, zeal of the Lord, hunger for the Lord. It's a word for this hour. It's not contained just in this sermon. The reason why I got this word so powerfully, so easily from the Lord is because he wanted to speak it over us more than I did. He wants hunger in this house. He wants hunger and expectation to rise up in this house. Now Cornelius, he was, he was there was a dissatisfaction in his heart. Cornelius, he was dissatisfied with Mars. Dissatisfied with worshiping a God that was not real. And that dissatisfaction led him to seek the truth. Redemption from a life of killing and war. And along the way, probably a Jewish man told him about the God of, of Abraham. The God of Isaac. God of Jacob. God of Moses. And it wasn't just words, but within the history, within the history of the stories that he heard, he found the God that was true. And in that, in that, in that, as he found that God, that was that hunger built up in him. He was hungry. We, we see, as we read this, I want you to read it again. When you go home, you're going to, when you read it in the light of his hunger, you're going to realize it's going to pop out right at you. This guy, he was hungry. He was hungry to find God. A hunger and expectation that it would not only lead to his powerful encounter with the true living God, not only for his family and friends, not, but it led to the formation of a truth. It led to the formation of a doctrine that would bring all Gentiles, all races, under the grace of God. That's God's plan. He released it to the faith of one man. What happens? I want you to look at chapter 11. Okay, chapter 11, Peter goes back, and there's, a, there's, there's all these people. They're like, man, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? They're like, man, what are you, crazy? And Peter began to explain it to them in order. He started talking about his vision that he had, and how God told him that whatever I make clean, do not call common. And he's like, man, he, he, he tells him about this. He tells him about Cornelius and tells him about what happened. And tells him about how he was preaching the word of God. And, and, and before he knew it, the fire of God came upon him with, with power. They were on the ground. Speaking in tongues. Prophesying. And, and, and he says, and I remembered the word of the Lord. How he said, John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he says this. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us 
When we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could, could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted re- repentance that leads to life. Man, this moment, Cornelius, as he was hungering for God, his encounter revealed, his encounters established a doctrine. That the grace of the Lord for all people. How powerful is that? And where did it start? It started with God saying, hey, man, this dude is hungry. This dude wants to find me. There is a passion in his heart. There's a, there, there is a, a, a zeal in his heart to come. He wants to know me. And that brought attention from God upon this man. And as, as he released the fire of God, released the Holy Spirit upon this man, established and it starts with hunger God is calling hung, he's calling us to hunger after him not just you know like not just give him some time not just set aside some time to spend with him he wants us to hunger after him all time at all times he wants us to say God I know that there is more I want more I want more I want to go deeper I want to know more that's what God desires. That's what he deserves. You know that? He deserves our hunger. Anything less. He, he, he deserves our hunger. He deserves ex- our expectation. He is real. Man, if, if he is real, you got to expect him to move. A lack of expectation is a lack of faith. A lack of expectation means that there's some doubt. We, we have to have a hunger from within, from that place of the Holy Spirit that rises up in us, that causes us to expect the Word of God, which is at work in our lives, to be fulfilled through us and in us. There needs to be an expectation. Let's close our eyes. I want to. I want us to start praying, because this this message isn't just for the leaders. It isn't just for the members. It's for everyone in here. From, from me to, a, to, to the newcomers that are here today. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you've been a leader for six years. doesn't matter if you've been leading small group for, for five years. It, it, it doesn't matter. God's calling every single one of us to a place of hunger. Hunger and, 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 and expectation. For his word, for the word of God to be fulfilled in us and through us. There needs to be that zeal. There needs to be that hunger. God's calling it from us right now. He's calling it from New Philly, from Seaside, from Hillside, Itaewon, Sydney. The reason why he released the, the fire of God over all the leadership in all, di- all different retreats. That fire is for us to steward. So the fire is for us to steward and for it to burn hunger for him in us. If you encounter God in a, in a, in, in a power and fire and it didn't increase hunger in your heart, something's wrong. God is calling for us to be hungry. He's calling for us to seek after Him. To want more. Saying, this is not enough. I know that there's more. I know that there's more. 
And I want to give, give an invitation to you guys right now. You want more hunger in your life. If you want to hunger to the Lord. I want you guys to stand up. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. I want to hunger after God. I want to hunger after God. I want more. There has to be more. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is more. There's a lot more. I want you to right now start using your lips. Pray out loud. I want you to start calling after God. Say, God. God, give me more of your Help me to hunger after you. Right now. And you know what? If you're not feeling it, ask God for more of his presence. If you're not feeling it, ask him for that fire. God, release that fire in me. Pour out your spirit on me. You guys, pray loud. Pray, pray with your lips. Pray with, ex- with expectation, knowing that God's going to move. Start crying out. Start crying out. Leaders, start crying out. If you're standing up and you want more, use your lips. Cry out to the Lord. Let your, it starts with your lips, but it'll end with your spirit. They're crying out to the Lord and say, God, I want more. I want more. I want more.